Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Riffs on Tap, episode number 49. I am your host, Alejandro, joined as always by... Riley. And... Your boy Brock is back. So we've got some familiar faces back on the podcast. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode. We had uh, some fantastic guests with us. Um, But we're back to the usual cast today. Back to the usual. The boys are back in town. Um, We've got just a a usual episode for you guys. And so uh, we've got a lot of music to talk about concerts that we've been to uh, a little bit of tv stuff we had some cool tv stuff going on recently yes uh we, dr strange multiverse of madness just came yes, to streaming definitely. really looking forward to rewatching that one uh but we have a ton of great stuff for y'all and we're just kind of gonna roll right into it uh i want to start up with the flatland concert honestly because that's the thing that's pretty fresh in the mind still for me it was i mean chef's kiss thing of beauty uh i, was, I mean i've seen flatland that was probably around my 10th time seeing them uh, alive, which kind of sounds sad saying it out loud. Uh, <laughs> but it, I feel like every time it just builds and builds and gets even better. They add new stuff to the show, play more songs. Uh, God, it was a fantastic concert. Yes, what I liked about this one is, so the my I've only seen Flatland twice. The first time I saw them, Caitlin Butts came out and sang, like, what, one, two songs? Uh, but this time, like... She had a whole, you know, set, and she did her thing, and she fucking killed it. And I was like, awesome. And you rolled right into Flatland, and they just, they never cease to amaze me. So far, again, only two times seeing them, but so far it's been great both times. Absolutely loved it. So one of the things I find super fun about Flatland is that, so the lead singer Flatland, Coletto Cordero, is married to Caitlin Butts. Uh, yes. Do you know how long they've been married for, Riley, off the top of your head? Probably. It seems like it's been a while. I think they've been married for probably about one or two years, but they've been together for, I think they started dating in like 2015, 2016, when they they, uh, recorded a song together, Life Where We Work Out. Um, But yeah, so they've probably been together for about seven years. Okay. I thought it was the cutest thing when Caitlin was doing her set. So she was opening for Flatland and... Cleto was just on the side there watching the whole concert. Oh, yeah. Didn't wasn't on his phone Mm-mm. or prepping for you know his show coming up. He was just sitting there watching Caitlyn the whole time. And it was just, every song. It, it was the cutest thing ever, <laughs> and it was so cool when he came out and they performed together. Um, it was just, I. It was just really cool. It was a really really fun show. Good crowd. Oh yeah, um, and that venue's fantastic over at Whitewater. Love the venue. Um, so I love so I, I've been to a concerts at Floors as well, another very popular country, uh, I guess, stage here. Um, but Whitewater, there's really no bad seats. Uh, I mean, it's mostly standing room on the rocks and everything, but it's sloped to where you can be in the very back. You'll still see everything clearly. No one will be in your way. Uh, yeah, it's just a perfect venue. Beautiful venue as well, right on the river. Uh, yeah. And they got a fuck ton of places to get beer, so you'll never yes. have an empty hand. Yeah. <laughs> so the my one critique about Whitewater, and I was actually wrong about this, is uh, it's all country bands, but there isn't. They actually have some shows coming up. Uh, a friend of mine had mentioned that I can't remember what band. It was a band similar to like a Rise Against or yeah. um, it was a, a more of a rock band, which is cool. I, I want that venue to be open to more artists. I get it. Their calendar is very full. Like they got like Parker McCollum, like July 4th weekend for like five nights straight. So like I get it. Their calendar is fucking full. Uh, but it would be nice to see uh, some other genres of bands getting represented at that venue because it is a really cool venue. It is. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, it. yeah, it's the perfect I think concert venue. Just again, there's no bad seats. It's always a good time. I think you mostly draw like a nice. I don't know. I've never seen like a rowdy crowd there. That's just really obnoxious. So, yeah, it's fun. Uh, but yeah, Flatland fucking killed it. And it's always I've always wanted to see Garth Brooks in concert, but I never have gotten to. My favorite Garth Brooks song is Colin Baton Rouge, which I finally got to hear play, and it was cool that it was Flatland that played it. Uh, yeah. Screaming that fucking song. <laughs> and, of course, as always, uh, whenever me and Riley are at a concert, um, we always get them to come back out and uh, play again. And that was nice to watch them uh, come back out again. Yeah. Granted, we couldn't take credit for this one. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're a part of the chant. <laughs> we've, we've brought out other bands before. 
but <laughs> yeah. No, there was one time. Uh, I think it was when it was. I was with my buddy. We went to go see R.L. Grime. He came back for literally one song, and he played just a singular song. It wasn't even anything special. It wasn't like a, oh, it's an unreleased track coming out soon or whatever, or uh, a popular track he didn't play or whatever. He just came back out and just played one more track and then left. And oh, like, so he was really trying to just be like, all right, you know what? I'll give you what you fucking want, but I'm yeah. trying to get out of here. Literally, yeah. He's like, <laughs> That's I'm, why you don't chant one more song. Yeah. You just chant, chant encore. Because one more song is a dangerous game. They might only play one more song. It's always interesting for a DJ when they do an encore because it's like they're coming back to press the play button, especially if it is one more song. There's no mixing they have to do or anything special. It's just, all right, guys, let me look through my library here. Oh, that's a good one. Play. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it is nice when it's, a, I guess it's kind of weird when a DJ goes, all right, I got one more song for y'all. And they play a three song mashup. And I'm like, well, I guess it's technically the length of one song, yeah. but they've played three songs. Um. The other concert we did not get a chance to talk to, um, which is it just didn't come up with Glass Animals. Yes, which we went to go see them like it's probably two three weeks now ago that we saw them, um, and man, were they fantastic! Yeah, that was a uh, visually one of. I mean, I think AJR is still probably the best concert I've seen visually. That was a close second though. It was beautiful. I don't, Everything they did with the lights was amazing. They sounded amazing. Uh, I think they played every song we wanted to hear for sure. Except for one. Except for one song. They did not play season two, episode three. That's right. Yeah. The only song they didn't that they they didn't play that I was looking forward to, and I thought they were saving it for the encore. Um a little sad Denzel Curry didn't show up, you know, busy guy. I, I, I get thought it. he might have. I was like, there's a chance, you know, that started getting to his part. I was like, oh, building up to it, and he never came out. Um, what the f- what, what the fuck did they do? They added another chorus in there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's always weird when you have, like, a really big name as featured on your track. So I remember seeing Maroon 5 one time. It was Payphone and Wiz Khalifa's on that song. And he's got the opening bit, I think. No, no, he he just has a normal feature in the end, and uh, yeah, they just kind of they put up on the video board with Khalifa singing his part, just so you can keep the continuity of the song going. Yeah. But Glass Animals, I think they just added an extra verse or an extra chorus into there. Yeah. Uh, and just went right through the Denzel part. Heat waves was lit. Everyone was fucking jamming yeah. to that. Yeah. And then the opener, I can't even remember their names. Oh man, yeah. They were fantastic though. They're uh, really good. I like they had good energy. Only thing I was disappointed in was they covered Weezer. Uh look, you can't cover a cover band. I think it's just <laughs> that it's you know it's two negatives, you know, don't make a positive always, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was my only, you know, downfall. I was singing along to it, just you know, uh what was it? It was fucking uh Say it ain't so. Uh, say it ain't, say it ain't so. so. Yeah, yeah. I definitely got you a Snapchat. You're gonna pick the one Weezer song. Yeah. You, you do have to sing along to it. I was about to say I definitely got a Snapchat video from you of yeah. you singing along to it. It's a catchy song. You know, <laughs> that was that was right before their downfall. So I am gonna air some gripes I have with the concert. So we showed up pretty early for this show because we wanted to get there right when doors opened. We were in GA. We're in general admission. Yes, and. I don't think we we hadn't verbally stated what our plan was. Are we going to be in the front or the back or whatever, just be in the crowd? But we were getting there early, so we wanted to keep our options open. Um, it was, you know, it's still uh, June. We're two years after COVID. Yeah. This venue required uh, your vaccine card, which I have mine. I had to find it. You were not able to find yours. Uh, and then my girlfriend did not have hers. So we had to go get COVID tests. So I was like, that's fine. Perfect. Whatever. We went to go. I bought COVID tests. We took them. Everyone's all negative. We're all good. Um, go to the venue. And we took pictures of our thing to be like, look, we, we did the test at home. Like we did. And they're like, no, nah, there's no at home test. Yeah. And that was like, okay, well then what do you expect us to do then? And they literally just said, oh, just walk down the street to CVS. You'll be fine. I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, the CVS was not walking distance, by the way. It was a, quite a drive away, and it was a Walgreens, not even, not even a CVS. So we went to Walgreens, and luckily they had tests there, and so we were able to get a two-pack of tests for y'all, and we had to literally just do the at-home test in front of them. 
absolute garbage system. Everyone there was scrambling to get in because yeah. it was not clear verbiage on what was going on here. And well, so, and usually if you have a situation like that, they'll have on-site testing so you can get your test real quick and then go in. But no, they're like, you have to leave the site to go get a fucking test and come back and take the test in front of us to prove that you're negative. Yeah, we're, I, I get COVID's still there, right? But I think it's a country we've all moved on. It was Ukraine and now it's whatever. You know, let's focus on the current, right? Let's stop living in the past. It's okay. all about gas prices, baby. Yeah. Do I need a fucking polio vaccine too? I got a lot uh, of money on it being I mean, $5 in a month. So, yeah. you know, I feel it. We're going to hit $5. We're you know, I could, I could imagine that that sent some people home. Like getting there and being like, oh, your at-home test that you took doesn't count. And I, I, I could imagine there were some people that were just like, all right, fuck this. Like I'm not. We were fortunate in our situation that we were able to, it, it sucked in a lot of ways, but we were able to go get a test and come back. We paid for parking two times because yes. of this situation. Luckily, parking wasn't like 50 bucks or anything. It was like 20 bucks, but still, I'm out 20 bucks there. We had bought the at-home test previously. That was money down the drain, essentially. Yeah. And it was just like, if y'all just had a little bit clearer verbiage, uh, we wouldn't have taken the test at home. We would just held on to them and been like, oh, cool. Glad we have them here. Yeah. It just seems weird to do a COVID test in front of a concert. And so, I don't know, just a little bit more clear verbiage on what exactly you were you meant by on-site testing. And that's air quotes because you can't see that. Uh, what that means. Well, did they even have you guys like secluded when y'all took y'all's test? No. So if y'all would have tested positive, I mean, it would have yeah. been pointless. Because oh, yeah, you spreader event right there. Yeah. You would have been. Yeah, that just that makes no sense. That makes no sense. And so, like, I remember, I don't, I don't know if you remember, <laughs> y'all were busy doing your tests, and there was other people around us also doing their tests, and they yeah. had the same brand, and they were struggling to do it. And I was like, don't worry, guys, I just helped these people with theirs. Uh, <laughs> you two next in line, let me help you out to those tests. Ooh, you guys, just hold on a second, I'll get to y'all. He was more helpful than <laughs> the people that were working the venue. <laughs> yeah, there was, like, six people sat at a table, and they're, like, they're checking vaccine cards, and they're just, like... Do you have a vaccine card? And I was like, yes, I do. I was like, all right, get out of here. Do you have a vaccine card? No. Well, you need an at-home test yeah. right now. And I was like, well, I took one at home, ma'am. Doesn't matter. We yeah. need one right now. They were very mean and very aggressive. And Can I just say that was a great John Mulaney right there? Oh, thank you. I'm glad you picked <laughs> up on that because uh, that's what I was going for. Um, but they were just very mean. And, and, like, once we got in, we didn't even wait the 15 minutes you were supposed to on the test. We literally just had the blue control line. So if you've ever yeah. done a COVID test before, there's two lines in there. One line pops up as a control. Basically, it just says, you've done the test properly. Now wait for your results, uh, if the other line's going to show up or not. We literally got the blue control line to show up, and we're like, cool. We did the test correctly. Just wait the 15 minutes now. We said, fuck it. There was such a line, a crowd of people there. We just were like, hey, just show them your test, and they'll probably just let you through. And that's exactly what we fucking did. I don't even <laughs> think they looked at the test. They nope. didn't. You're supposed to have your ID out. They didn't even check. Like, I didn't have that out. And they were like, just go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I felt yeah. like we probably should have just brought – I don't know why we didn't bring the at-home ones because what we could have done is, been, oh, we'll go get the COVID test, come back, run over, pretend to do it, and be like, oh, we're waiting, waiting. Look, here's my test, yeah. and then just whipped it out of our pocket because they weren't even checking. And honestly, with my vaccine card, I probably could have just passed it to y'all in the crowd and just been like, look, there's the vaccine card, and then just walk right through. Probably. Yeah, it was it was a very hectic situation, but luckily we were there in time for the show, and uh, it was a fantastic show. I was it very was, happy, yeah. uh, which I didn't realize. I don't know if it was true or not. The lead singer was born in San Antonio. Yeah, so I looked it up after he was wow, lived here so for crazy. like six, seven years, and then moved back to the UK. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. Did you wait? So, so you looked into it. So, born here, so he is American. Yes, I think but, he has dual citizenship. Okay, because um, he has an accent, so I guess yeah. he spent, I feel like seven, that's a weird year. Well, and so I I went to school with someone, she's been here since like before elementary school. Uh, she still has a British accent. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because uh, I'm always curious, I feel like seven, you're past the formative years in terms of like speech development. That I feel like you're not suddenly going to pick up a British accent when you go over there. Um, maybe if you were four or five, you're learning to speak still, you're like, Getting all your I think a lot of it, those, you know, your your parents are obviously, you know, British or whatever. Uh, so 
That was the follow-up question. Were his parents British and they were over here for whatever reason? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I think the accent thing. I think you can just pick. I so my take on that is that you can just pick it up because I did cattle fencing for six months, and after the first month, I remember coming home one day and the guys I worked with, I mean, got some thick ass fucking like redneck accents. Come home one day from work, and my mom is like, "Where the fuck did this accent come from?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And she was like, "You sound like you're from the most southern point of Texas." I was like, "Oh." Mexican? I don't know. Yeah, Mexican? <laughs> I was like, you don't sound like you're from the Valley. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I just it's just the guys I work with. And I, I at that point, I'd only been working with them for a month. And then I remember, so yeah, I worked with them up until I shipped to boot camp. And I went to boot camp, and immediately some of the drill instructors were like, with, no, you're from Texas, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. Like, what well, gave it away? They're like, your stupid-ass fucking accent. And I was like, oh. <laughs> which, I, which I eventually lost because I was in California for three months. At the time, Shaka bra. Yeah, and it turned into more of a douchebag uh, than anything. <laughs> I watched a TikTok today about accents and how most there there's a handful of letters that require you to put your tongue at the roof of your mouth. One of the letters being the word uh, letter L, so love. You brush that tongue along the top behind the teeth. Yeah, love, love, live, love, live, love, laugh. But. If you want that California accent, you got to put your tongue in front of the teeth. Love, love, live, love. You move that tongue forward, not touching the roof of the mouth. One of those things, those are physical tips you can get to perfect your accent. If you're looking for certain accents, look at tongue position. Tongue position is really important for certain accents. See, I never (laughs) think about that. I think the the only accents I do are more impersonations of people that I know. I'm close with mm-hmm. like my sisters that do they they're very orange county california you know they're you know typical white girl like oh my god i want starbucks so it's <laughs> like I, I i don't know how i do that it's just growing up you know with them that's i just am, i don't know it's second nature i, I know i know for us we we pick up on accents pretty pretty easy like I, I don't know i don't know if you practice at all i do practice in my free time on certain accents i just like get a feeling and i just like you know like watching ted lasso watched a lot of british tv so i've been doing a lot of british accents not only like my inner voice in my head is is in a british accent sometimes but sometimes i'll just speak in a british accent when i'm at work or whatever um but um i learned that i believe it's it's either adhd or autism that mimicking is a is a big thing so if you watch certain shows that you have there's a good chance that you're going to attach yourself to a certain character or a personality and that you mimic that personality into your own um i've noticed i've done that a lot with different characters and shows and accents for sure like i when i watched doctor who a lot when i was uh, just starting off in college watched so much fucking doctor who yeah. i attached myself to that character and that way of thinking and speaking and even the accent and uh it wasn't something i realized until I was uh, learning more, a little bit more from uh, from TikTok about some ADHD, autism type of uh, traits and stuff. So I, oh, go ahead. No, you. Okay, I was gonna say. So I don't know if. So I've never been diagnosed with ADHD uh, or ADD. They just told me, doctor told me one day, you probably have one of them. Um, I also, it might be autism. Um, but speaking on that, uh, I looked up one time because I noticed myself mimicking randomly, unintentionally mimicking my s- older sister's. Uh, biological father um he has parkinson's and like he'd be sitting there just casually and i i, I bounce my leg or i you know twiddle my fingers or whatever but you know he'll be sitting there and his parkinson's is kicking in so he's fidgeting and everything and i'll just notice that i was unintentionally i'll unintentionally do that every time i see him unintentionally so i looked it up um kids that do not like they have no genetic like disposition uh, to get parkinson's um parents if they have parents with parkinson's they have a higher chance of developing the physical reactions to that like the physical mm-hmm. because they're just watching it all the time and they're mimicking it now that was also to go further and i can't remember this is where i don't remember the the full article whether it was an adhd thing or an autism thing so that's what i'm saying i don't know i could have autism maybe but i think it might be adhd because i've only ever gotten told that about me but i don't know uh, but I that was just to back ADHD. that up. Yeah. But I, like, so I don't do, so mimicking, uh, 
I don't necessarily mimic like characters and stuff. It's just specific lines will jump out to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's an interesting line. You know, it's an interesting way that he said that line. Then I'll just that line will be going through my head every fucking day, every hour. Yeah. So then I'll just I'll just be able to pick up like exactly how he said it, when he said it. Um, so I w- I'll do that, but I won't be able to mim- mimic or do like a full conversation in an accent or something. It's just these little lines that I hear. Uh, so two things here. Uh, I need to look up and, and fact check this, but I learned recently that it is rare to have either autism or ADHD. It's rare to have the individual one than it is to have the combined. Oh, it's have common one, You're statistically most likely you have both of them. Well, and there's there's a lot of high functioning autisms out there, and mm-hmm. a lot of them are a lot of them are very minute, you know. So, yeah. or like, you know, hard to pick up on if you don't get told by someone that you have it. So I could see that. I could a hundred percent see that. I mean, most and of those super geniuses are high functioning autistic uh, autism. And I don't know if we had talked about on the podcast or not, but yeah, if you, for people who have autism, they tend to, if you look at like, if you can picture in your head, a bell curve. And so the majority of the people are right in the middle and there's, you know, some outliers uh, below the average and outliers above the average. People who tend to be on the spectrum tend to be way on the tails of the higher IQ range. But because of, you know, whatever disabilities or what may you have, they may not be able to present how brilliant or smart they are, um, either because there's something preventing them from showing their genius. But people who have ADHD and autism tend to be skewed on the higher IQ side. It was like a... It was a crazy, like if a group of 100 people who have autism, like 60 of them, like 60% of them are going to skew above the average in a noticeable way. You know, I think I can back up that uh, them both being combined thing with a, there was a an, a kid who had autism in high school and, and I've even seen TikTok or Instagram videos of this, but he hyper fixated on one thing and it was, uh, it was football stats for wide receivers. Um, and you could, you could ask this kid any football stat about any wide receiver and you could fact check him. And he, he was almost a hundred percent right every fucking time. And it was like, Hey, so the, this wide receiver who played in 2001 for three fucking seasons, like, do you know his total career, like receiving yards? And he was usually spot on every fucking time. There'd be times where he'd mess up, but it's, you know, he was always hyper fixated on like one thing and like he got really fucking good at it you know like that one little thing and he he was a a mastermind of it yeah that's what i mean they are their ability to store knowledge and like just their iq is so high but sometimes because they hyper fixate they it it's super specialized in what it is they know it's finding that perfect balance of having general knowledge and having that high iq where they just they, you are able to just spit back facts and information so quickly and easily. Those are the Albert Einsteins of the world. Or your uh, Alan Turing. Motherfucker was a computer. He yeah. was a human being, but he was a computer. Stephen Hawking. Yeah. But, yeah. He couldn't even walk, but I mean, shit. <laughs> that was his uh, disability. Yeah. It's like he couldn't get anywhere. Like, stairs, yeah. mortal so, enemy. Sounded very robotic. <laughs> I don't know what it was about his voice. Yeah. <laughs> um,. But going back to the mimicking thing, like Ted Lasso, like, so I, so I had said I watched it and cause I was like wanting to watch it, but I hadn't had the opportunity cause it's on Apple TV plus yeah. probably the least subscribed of all the subscription services. Um, but I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch Ted Lasso. I had some time, uh, where I had to kill. It's like, yeah, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to give it a try. Uh, fucking loved it. Just it's- absolutely such a fantastic show such a heartwarming show uh i completely f- agree i second everything you're yeah, saying very <laughs> it's got a lot of i mean jason sudeikis is I, there's not a lot of people like him uh, i think in comedy just where you get that realness out of him mm-hmm. i think uh it's usually one or the other like there's rom-com actors like Ryan Gosling who may be funny but they're mostly serious actors right I think Jason Sudeikis is brilliant at both uh, he's kind of like a Jason Bateman in that sense where he could do these very serious roles and these very funny roles and then somehow make them meet um, wait Jason Sudeikis is in Ted Lasso 
he is Ted Lasso. He is. Oh Ted, yeah. shit! So well, you should have said that from the beginning. Yeah. I would have watched. We'll, we'll that go shit. watch episode one right now. <laughs> yeah. After this, I'm ready for a rewatch. I just um, love how it all got started, though, just off of these dumb little, you know, one to five minute skits that he would do. It's just, you know, American football coach who got hired as a soccer coach. Like it was literally just supposed to be nothing, and then they blew up. Exactly. So I, so I'm a Premier League guy. I love watching Premier League soccer, and I remember watching pr- Premier League in the morning their show they have, you know, before all the games start. And one day they had Jason Sudeikis on and he was playing this character, Ted Lasso character. This is like, I was in college, so it had to be like 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. And I was like, oh, this is funny. That's my favorite team, the Tottenham Hotspurs. He's pretending, you know, he's, he's an American football coach. He's coming or he's coaching the Tottenham Hotspurs. That's hilarious. And the players were all going along with it and whatever. And it was just him. Like him, there was no Coach Beard yet. I think he had an assistant coach, but like it wasn't Coach Beard. And I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty funny stuff. And he was doing his whole thing, do the press conference and all yeah. that. And it wouldn't be until years and years later that it would develop into a full-ass show and yeah. a full-ass series. Um, but like you said, it, it's very, like, feel-good. Like, there are their dramatic moments, and there are moments that are super, super funny. Um, but, yeah, it just, like, I don't know. Things work out in good ways and ways you don't expect. We're just like, you know what? It's like wrapping a perfect bow at the end of every season except for the last season i have my gripes with which we'll talk yeah. about off mic about like it oh oh it's fantastic, fantastic so i'm show. about to show my ass on how much i don't know about ted lasso um that's not a real person <laughs> this whole time y'all have been talking about it no, i ted thought it was, was a not a real person real person Fake that, person played by jason sudeikis that's yeah. mind-blowing uh the team he coaches afc richmond not, not a, a real, real team, team either yeah. <laughs> Although in the second season, they do mention a real team, uh, AFC Wrexham, uh, which is Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhaney's uh, football club now that they own. So I have a gripe about that. About I think it's very funny. I appreciated that they put it in there. But at the same time, the context with which it was, it was mentioned was so out of left field. Yeah. They were like... They it wasn't asked, like a natural... Yeah. Oh, we're playing Wrexham or something. Literally, they asked the owner, they they just asked the owner, and they go, would you like to make a statement about Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney's purchase of ASC Wrexham? And they're like, "Uh, I don't even remember what Rebecca says. But it was like, why are we talking about a fifth-tier fucking soccer team? Yeah. We're, we're like tiers way above them. Like, this is a no-name team, essentially. And it just was very like kind of like random yeah. they just brought it up but i do appreciate that they gave a nod to them because yeah. that was a big move for them um I almost got promoted this year almost yeah they oh. just missed out damn but, yeah they're on the right track i think last year they were like a bottom table team and now they just i think they finished what is it i think it was top four got promoted i think they finished like fifth yeah lost the last game they are, uh, because they're in the fifth tier of English soccer, I believe they are eligible for the FA Cup. Um, and so I'm curious to see if uh, they make a run or they do anything. Just like um, the FA Cup is a very unique thing in Premier League soccer in that it's essentially all the teams in England, all teams in the UK, just kind of come together and like, we're just going to have a big old tournament. Yeah. And so you'll have like a team like Chelsea, you know, a major team, Manchester United, Manchester City, all these big major teams play against, you know, oh, that's, you know, whatever fucking shit team you've never heard of. Leeds, AFC Leeds. I was like, no, this isn't Leeds FC. This is AFC yeah. Leeds. They're in the seventh tier of English football. Uh, that Their goalie is a plumber for his day job. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so I think it's just hilarious how we get, we we get to show the love for all these teams, all in all the divisions of English football, all come together for this big tournament, and so it's it's really cool. It's really cool. You get to see some crazy outcomes. So yeah, when one of those teams get fucking upsets, holy shit! I mean, when fucking you know Tottenham under sixteen beats fucking Man City. Like. <laughs> I'm hoping uh, in Ted Lasso for next season. The FA Cup is a, an important fixture rather than just the regular season. Yeah. And that is, uh, without spoiling anything, I hope the FA Cup is an important storyline for them. I think it will be. 
Um, but Ted Lasso, go, fantastic. Go watch it. I'm going to make Brock watch it after we're done here because I'm just literally like I'm very excited to rewatch the show. Like it's it's very, very good. So it's a comedy? It's a, literally a comedy about an, a college American football coach, not even Division One, Division Three. I think it was Division Two. Uh, it was like Wichita State or something. Um, he won the Division Three championship, and so the owner, the new owner of AFC Richmond, goes, "That's the guy. That's yeah. the one we're hiring as our new coach." She literally fires the old coach. Nothing wrong with him. Nothing bad going on. Just fucking fires him on the spot and hires Ted Lasso. See again the the amount of misconceptions I had about this show. I thought this was like a docu series. Again, like. You know, eight part docu series about like some real life shit, <laughs> and all of this is getting just blown up right now. I love this. So okay, yeah, this is great. And the whole team is laughing at the whole thing. They're like, they're like this guy, the fucking football coach, like American football coach, is gonna come and teach us how to play soccer. And they're just like, yeah, it's a whole big joke. It's a big joke, but it's a fantastic show, and you should definitely go watch it. Very well. So. My dad loves to fucking be a goldfish, like his favorite quote. Ever. That I use that all the time now. I use it today at work mm. because someone someone got super heated, and I had to give him the Ted Lasso goldfish speech, and it it, it worked because it's fucking it's it's a great way. So the, basically, the speech is is that you know you may get mad, you may get angry about something because they, they had a loss, and he was talking to the players, and you know it's like you know it's okay to be mad. We understand. We're frustrated. You know. You know, we we should have won that game. We didn't. But, you know, you know why? But y'all need to be goldfish. You know why? Why goldfish is never angry? Because its memory is only 15 seconds. I was about to say, isn't it? I thought it was like seven. But, yeah, fucking okay, like, it makes sense. Y'all need to be a goldfish, and you're going to forget <clears throat> about that loss. We're going to move on. We're going to get ready for the next one. And so be a goldfish today. Forget about that shit. Move on. It's I think a, be it's a champion great. today, you know, or play like a champion today, you know, like Notre Dame says, you know, which we never are. But yeah, like how many championships do you have? How'd that work out for y'all in the uh, in baseball? How'd that go? Baseball. I mean, I'd say we overachieved and we made it to the College World <laughs> Series. I'm not mad about that. You know, it's a tough loss. <laughs> they were a Cinderella team. They 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 fucking killed it. I mean, a team from the North is not supposed to play as well as we have. You know, we're not supposed to make it that far. Well, y'all got we baseball even, in the north. I was about to say that's not like you. Was that like they a racial statement right there? No, they cannot play baseball all year. Like they, we've had games canceled because yeah, we got it's indoor snowed. games. Minnesota Twins, they play in the north. Uh, the Cubs, the White Sox, a little different because they play in the summer. Baseball season, they have to play in the winter. They just don't practice. They just uh, stay indoors. No, there's literally times where we can't practice. We can't. We have to cancel games because it's snowing. We can't play. Man, you guys should like relocate to like a different city or something. Have you thought, yeah. have thought about that before? I think it's Go tough to Miami. To, a little tough to relocate a whole college uh, as prestigious as Notre Dame. Oh, uh, just fucking yeah, just, Notre Dame, South Florida, yeah, South Miami see, Beach. You've seen the moving trucks where they you know move whole houses and shit. Yeah, I think uh, just do that building by building. <laughs> yeah, move touchdown Jesus real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, do you want to get into some music talk? Cause yeah, you you've sure. got a lot to talk about today, so I want to hear what's been going on with you and, uh, and the music. Yeah, I have been on an adventure uh, this week musically, and it's it started with a TikTok. Um, was on TikTok scrolling through. I saw uh, there was a it was like a one minute TikTok just about how they made or why they made Hey There Delilah and kind of how it took off. Um, which I didn't know, so, I mean, I knew what the song was about, you know, it's about a girl named Delilah. So he wrote it, just trying to impress this girl, he was like, I'm going to write a song about you, and he never did, like, he just couldn't write this song for the longest time, he had writer's block, and finally he just kind of sat down, wrote Hey There, Delilah, and uh, took off, ended up, I think they were nominated for a Grammy that year, brought Delilah to the Grammys with him <laughs> as, her, as his date, uh, didn't work out the relationship, but... Maybe they fucked, though. They probably fucked. I mean, he just wrote a, a Grammy song. Like, that's... Uh, but you, think, you think that's like an open invitation at that point into her pants? Yeah. Like, no, he doesn't even have to ask. <laughs> she's just, no, she's just face-palming the whole time. Like, I can't believe he did this. He did get, they did get sued because uh, the song was about her, and she didn't want him singing it anymore. She lost, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I watched that, and then... 
obviously had to listen to the song, so I listened to the song, started listening to some more Plain White Tees. Um, then I went to Plain White Tees <clears throat> Radio, started listening to some of that. Uh, got to a song by Linkin Park, uh, went through Linkin Park's discography, listened <laughs> to Linkin Park Radio. Then I started listening to some Rise Against, uh, Offspring, just a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, so I've been on a Rise Against kick pretty much all week, which great. Go listen to Savior. Beautiful song. Hero of War, also. Hero of War, also just very dark song, but great song lyrically. Same album, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I saw uh, on Instagram, I saw an ad, I guess, for a Callum Scott album, which if you don't know... Callum Scott was on, I believe, the British X Factor or something like that. One of those shows. Um, he sang a cover of Dancing on My Own by Robin. Uh, got the golden buzzer from Simon Cowell. And his career just took the fuck off. Released an album called Only Human in 2018. Uh, so we've been waiting four years for album two. And he did not disappoint. It is cover, uh, cover to cover, just a beautiful album. Um, starts off very strong with a song called Biblical. L- nice love song. A lot of heartbreak songs in there. There's one song called Rise. It's just a kind of uplifting song. But um, yeah, I recommend listening to that. And uh, a few songs off it. So Biblical, Rise, Goodbye Again, and Cross Your Mind are some of my favorites to listen to. Um, but yeah, I've just been all over the place. Tom Walker released a new song, uh, Showed Brock, he wasn't a huge fan, but it's called Number 10. Kind of a, a protest song, so to speak, against the current government in uh, England. Yeah, and let me say, like, so it had nothing to do with the lyrics or, like, the guy's voice or anything. It just, that song in particular, not my speed. Like, I yeah. I didn't, I think it was the, really the rhythm, I guess, that it was going at that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get into. But I just remember listening to it, and I was like, hmm. You know, not not my jam for this one, uh, but yeah. I mean, I can understand that. I'm never mad if someone doesn't like a song that I uh, recommend. I'm only mad if they don't listen to it at all. Uh, but if, at least if I recommend a song and you listen to it and you come back and say, I don't like that, then I'm right, that's in the bank now. I can, uh, it helps me kind of guide you in the future. Yeah. I can, you know, if I hear a song, I'm like, okay, well, he didn't like the last one that was similar to this, so I know not to bring it up anymore. Yeah. Which he is good at, I will say. I've probably only told him maybe once or twice before, uh, hey, I didn't like that song that you gave me. Almost every single time we're in the car together, and he, I give him Ox. He puts on songs, and I'm like, add it, add it, fucking add it. Definitely fucking add that one. Like, There's almost never a time where I'm not adding a song that he's like put on for me. Yeah. Um, but I will say, because I've only got one, so mine's going to be quick. Uh, one artist I've been listening to, little down memory lane, it's fucking Daughtry. I don't know if y'all remember Daughtry. Uh, I do. Literally, and I was listening, and I was like, oh, this is why I don't listen to Daughtry that much. It's because I only like his songs from the fucking, the 2006 album he put, fucking put out. Uh, what was it? Yeah, called Daughtry. Yeah, that that's about the only album that I like listened to that I was like, oh, this is good. He but, did he he lost American <clears throat> Idol, right? Yeah, he yeah, got, like second or something. Not even that. I don't even know if he got that far. I think that was one of the years I thought he should have won. I forgot who he's against, but but it's interesting because he he went at least in my opinion he went a lot further than a lot of people that win. You know, they put out one two songs. He put out. Oh, he got fourth. Five albums, I think. But yeah, I was listening to a little bit of Daughtry the, the past week, and I was like, oh, we can trip down memory lane, try to expand my horizons with some other... Hey, actually, actually, he has a 2021 album that he's released. I haven't listened to that, but yeah. He's the third most successful American Idol contestant. Really? Who are the first go? Carrie Underwood and Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. That makes sense, okay. Yeah. I'm um, surprised he's ahead of Jennifer Hudson. What has Jennifer Hudson done in the last like, five years, though? That's the thing. I think she's moved more to acting. Yeah. Well, she had a fantastic voice, and she's a pretty decent actress, too. Because she was in, what was that movie? It was uh, the Broadway play that they converted to a movie. Was it Chicago, or was it Showgirls? It's one of those two she was in. Um, no, yeah, she's a good actress. Uh, but fantastic voice. Just, uh, I don't really think she puts out too much music anymore. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for y'all, because bringing up, you brought up Daughtry in the one album. 
off the top of y'all's head, do you guys have any artists you enjoy that they have a library of music, but there's really only one album that's worth listening to, or they 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 hit they hit the jackpot with one set of music where you're like, wow, this era is perfect. Everything before sucks or everything after is not great. I've got one for you while y'all look and think about it is uh, Franz Ferdinand. I feel like the first album was like absolute bangers for him. And I, I feel like the just the rest of the music they kept putting out just never could return to that height of that original album for Franz Ferdinand. Uh, really, got, really good. I got one, I guess, with the one of the bands I was listening to this this week, uh, Two Door Cinema Club. Uh, their first album, Tours History, perfect fucking album, great guitar album, especially. Uh, after that, they've had a few good songs that I liked, but it's really just that album. Mm-hmm. Got Undercover Martian, something good can work. Uh, what you know, I can talk. Yeah, fantastic album. But after that, it was just. Eh. For me, yeah. the two that popped up immediately are, and this is just personal preference because they, I know they definitely have other songs that are popular and liked by people, but for me, they've got one album each that I listen to. ABBA is, I've got, like, it's just the one album for me, and then fucking the Black Eyed Peas, like, one album. Which and, album for the Black Eyed Peas? Because in their early days, <clears throat> there was it their 2005 album was like, absolute banger, slapper. Um, it's the one with the red cover on it. That one absolutely Mon- monkey business. I think so. So okay, so I, I will say the blue cover, the red cover. I will say I do have I have a song from that album, and I have a song. I have two songs from the beginning, which is the 2010 album, but the 2009 album. Um, I I had that. I think that was my first or second CD I ever got, and so I listened to that religiously. So like I know almost every song lyric for lyric top to bottom on that album uh the end right yeah yeah the end is a very good album it so, actually it's got some bangers but like we just look at like monkey business it's got pump it don't funk with my heart don't lie my humps but see my humps was the only one from that album that i actually like enjoyed uh, you listening should to go take some time and listen to the rest of the album it's really really good um, it's probably my favorite um, Black Eyed Peas album, better than Elefunk. And don't get me wrong, Elefunk's really good. It's got some great banging songs on it, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, like, Where's the Love and Let's Get It Started and stuff. Um, but yeah, Monkey Business was right in that era for me because I was, I was 10 years old at that time. Uh, yeah, Black Eyed Peas were at like top of their game at that point. Yeah, see, I was like 10 years old when like the end... No, I was nine when the end came out. Yeah, and the end is good. The end yeah. has got bangers on it too. There's no, it got boom boom pow. And see, like that was the thing. It was like it was like I know this is definitely a personal thing because I know, especially the Black Eyed Peas, like have plenty of songs from plenty of different albums that are good, even fucking banging and shit. But for me, I really specifically only listen to like the end from the Black Eyed Peas. That was kind of literally the end of the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, I'm looking at their albums afterwards and like. Yeah, 2010 onward was not kind. After Fergie left and everything, that group really went downhill quickly. The only two from the the beginning album, the 2010 album that I liked, was was The Time or Dirty Bit and then Just Can't Get Enough. Those two, I think, are are decent enough. Man, there was a period of time where the Black Eyed Peas were one of the hottest artists. Like, you were hearing them on the radio constantly. And, like, their fall from grace, it wasn't like they did anything wrong, too. It wasn't like there was a scandal or an issue. Obviously, there is. there was some talk that um, they do have ghostwriters and ghost producers. Because, um, like, after Fergie left, it felt like they couldn't make a hit song uh, after that. Um, but, yeah, it's not like they did anything wrong. It just, they just lost relevancy. Kind of well, the same I, with, like, LMFAO. Yeah, they, I, fucking, I mean, I think they broke up, but well, they only put out like a couple, though, right? I mean, a couple good. You well, know. you guys ready for this one? So, in my free time, I like to watch a lot of YouTube, and sometimes I learn random facts that are just you know useful sometimes. But this one's actually useful today. LMFAO, I did not realize, is an uncle and nephew combo. So Red Foo, the taller one, that was uh, he is the older one. He's the uncle, and then a. Uh, Blue Sky or Sky Blue. He's uh, the nephew. He's the younger one. 
they were making music just for fun and then it fucking just blew up and took off they were the type of people who had the they were a money-backed group they were a group where like i think it was the grandpa or whatever was in the music industry tons of money and they just funneled money into this group i mean you can kind of tell with the music videos and stuff. <laughs> yes yeah. they were backed by money but they made bangers like absolute knee slappers but after that first album there was a period of time when they were touring for it where uh blue sky or sky blue i can't fucking remember his name um got sick he got really sick and instead of red food going okay let's stop the tour let's go ahead and let's make sure you're okay whatever Red Food just decided to keep touring without him, and they went a whole year without talking. Like, he never once called, like, hey, are you good? Are you checking in? Are you going to be able to make it to these days? No, they just stopped talking for a year. And after that, the relationship just got worse and worse and worse. They just kept getting more and more distant to the point where Sky uh, Red Food went on to do his solo career. He had two big songs after that and an album that sold absolutely, like, literally like a thousand albums like he made no money um sky blue would do some solo stuff it didn't take off at all he literally his career ended after he left lmfao but it was just they just drifted apart they just drifted apart and neither of them was grown up enough to try to you know come back together and fix what was wrong well fame does yeah, and it's just, it was crazy, man. They're at the height, and they're just gone. Especially because they came, like, they came on the scene at the perfect time. You had that dance pop just hitting the scene. I'm was, in Miami, it bitch. It was soaring. I mean, they literally timed it perfectly. They they knew the formula to make a successful song. You had a catchy line you, you're able to sing along to or say, like, I'm in Miami, bitch, or yeah. every day I'm shuffling. And then just like that electro pop feel to it. It was dancey, but it was still pop music. You could play it on the radio. It felt like you could loop it and just go over and over again, play it over and over again. It was just like they nailed that formula down. And I don't know if it was because of the backing they had where they're like, dude, like this is what like they're an industry plant. Essentially, yeah. they were the first real big industry plant. Um, they they just had all the resources available to them and they took advantage of it and then just couldn't keep themselves afloat. They just kind of went away and that was the end for them. R.I.P. Yeah. Which uh, funny enough, Dylan Francis at uh, EDC Las Vegas this year. Uh, played an LMFAO song, and uh, he said, if you hate LMFAO, fuck you and get the fuck out of my show right now. <laughs> and I was like, they, if you don't like LMFAO, like, come on. like They're just it, fun. But yeah, just I was about fun. to say, there's not, like, you don't, like, you're not listening to them to be like, oh, yeah, like, I love the These fucking lyrics. lyrics they, are they so deep. deep. They're, definitely, <laughs> no. they're definitely not fucking music geniuses. But yeah, no, you just, just, put them music. on, like, they make hey, you dance. I'm in yeah. a good mood right now. Like, I want to stay in a good mood. And so I'm going to put some music on. You put on some LMFAO. Good mood. Good, yeah. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood, dude. Um, so I actually learned recently there was studies done for the, um, happiest song of all time and i and you're gonna hate me because i have to look it up it's definitely not happy by fucking for not because happy. i get pissed off every time i hear that goddamn and song I'm happy Capital uh, so I'm, I'm looking it up right now because i am absolutely blanking on all the words and they're you're gonna hate me when i say the name of the song so it's elo electric light orchestra they have so many bangers but it's mr blue sky okay the song yeah, okay. you've heard in a million movies um, that has been, uh, sun is shining. Oh, that's such do, a, do, uh, that's do, such do, a happy do, song. Do, do. Oh yeah. It is the happiest song of all I'm time. I'm happy just thinking about this. Exactly. Era. It's a fantastic fucking song. You hear those first couple notes and you instantly know what you're getting into. Like, it's just fantastic. It's perfect. Um, but yeah, it's funny how researchers were like, we're going to find the happiest song ever. And they determined Mr. Blue Sky was the happiest song ever. I would say like, I'm happy anytime I hear like that. Uh, just a dun, dun, like once yeah. that comes on, I'm happy. Or once I hear the guitar intro for a punk, oh, that's dude. always that's always I know it's going to be a good time. Mr. Blue Sky. Whenever I hear the beginning of that song, I always think like I'm. This is going to be a good movie. This is going to be a good rom com. I yeah. promise you. Like it's going to be a good movie. They yeah. they they locked that mid two thousands. Like it was in every fucking rom com and every fucking movie in that time. But oh, so fucking good. Oh man. Um. 
so I've got some music stuff as well. Uh, since uh, ooh, damn, we were we're blowing through time here. All right, I'll keep it short then. I'll keep it short. Um, let me pull up my notes here because I actually had quite a bit of stuff to talk about. Uh, let's see here. So listening to a couple albums, um, I was I saw a TikTok talking about producer albums, uh, albums that were not meant for commercial success. They were producers making albums basically for other producers to show this is the shit I can come up with. This is the shit I can make. Uh, listening to the DJ Shadow album, uh, which it does have one popular song on there that would go on, I guess, popular in that community, uh, which is Organ Donor. Uh, if you guys have ever heard that song before, it goes do no 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 That James Bond song? No. I'll have to play it for you afterwards. Um but it was just a fun listen of just like just how creative DJ Shadow was with some of the layering and the production of the album. Really, really fun. Uh it's from nineteen ninety six. It's called End Traducing. Uh the other album was Exotica by Purple Disco Machine. He's going to be at ACL this year, and there's a song he has. It's, it's not even one of his popular songs. I don't know why it's not more popular. It's called Dopamine, um, and that song's literal dopamine. It, it, it is just, it reminds me of when Maroon 5 was at their height of pop music where every song was just fun and happy and you could always sing along to it. That's the feeling I received from that song where it's just upbeat and happy and fun and just good vibes. Uh, the album as a whole was very, very good. I am looking forward to seeing him at ACL if it fits in the schedule. Um, but it's just like funky dance music, just like good stuff to move around to. Uh, outside of that, Apple Music has once again continued uh, recording sets from EDC and putting them out. Okay. So I listened to <clears throat> the Sub Focus and Wilkinson set. I listened to that at least 20 times. Uh, Nightmare uh, and Big Gigantic came together for a back-to-back set uh they they're called gigantic nightmare um that's an interesting one because nightmare being a dj and big gigantic being live performers what they did was one of the dudes from big gigantic played sax the other dude played drums they did live drums and live sax and they just did it on every song any song where you could fit a sax in the guy would just freestyle the sax and the drums if the guy felt there was extra jumps that needed to get played he'd fucking just play the drums it was pretty. It was a pretty fun uh, show to watch and listen to. Sounds like it. Uh, there was Hulk Gang, which is 4B and Valentino Khan. Uh, they get their name because one of them's drink of choice is Hennessy and the other drink is Hypnotic. You mix those two together, it is green, and you take a Hulk shot. They're Hulk Gang. Huh. Uh, little Texas. Try uh, that at the bar tonight. <laughs> Don't. You try. Ask them. I, yeah. I would not try that. <laughs> um. Little Texas uh, set was pretty good. Uh, Little Texas, not from Texas, uh, nor has he played a show in Texas. I know. It Where just the fuck is he from and why is he stealing my culture? I know. I know. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, the Kazo set was really good. That should uh, be illegal. Played a lot of his new music. His new album comes out tomorrow uh, called New Breed. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Dylan Francis's uh, set was really good. I do have something I'm, I do want to bring up as a topic. Have you guys ever heard an artist play a song at a concert? And when you go back to either go back to listen to the recorded version or when the recorded version comes out and they sound completely different. Have you guys ever had that before? Yeah, definitely. We, I know we've had that with uh, Trinity River, Trinity River, Charlie yes. Crockett. Very different recorded than he plays it live. It is. So for live bands, that's understandable. They may not be able to do all the instrumentation or they just want to freestyle a little bit more. Yeah. And I get it for a live band. For a DJ, not so much. It It's very understandable to have a remix on a song or a VIP, a variation in progress. Um, Dylan uh, made a song with this DJ. His name is Eptic. And uh, Eptic put it on his new album. Really good song. I had first heard it back when I saw Dylan Francis uh, open for or play with uh, Young Gravy at that concert in Austin. And I loved it the first time I heard it. Like, this song is so good. And there's a specific sound he uses in it that I like. I just fell in love with. It's just a fun sound. And he used it a lot in the in the song he played. But when the actual version came out, they removed all that. It, it was much more slim back, cut back version of it. Yeah. Dylan went on to play that song at EDC, which what felt like 
a remix but wasn't listed as a remix he has new vocals on there um he's added back in some of those sounds that were cut back on the recorded version and it makes me kind of wonder for djs that collab together i wonder if they may have differences that are positive like you may come to me being like dude we need more hi-hats here yeah and i may be like no no no, we're fine like keep this there keep it the way it is i wonder like how does that go about you putting out your version of the song where you've got your changes to it and i got my changes to it and i've seen it only once happen where it's literally called like such and such version on the Young Gravy EP, there is a track that's literally called the Dylan Francis version. It's the Dylan Francis remix, which is kind of weird to be like, I see you doing your thing there, Gravy. That's awesome. That's cool. But I'm just going to fucking just ch- change it up because I don't like any of this. Yeah. And they, they're two very different songs of the same song. It's not even really a remix. Um, curious y'all's thoughts on that, like creative differences between artists. I mean, it's a. Uh, I don't know. That's a. I guess a slippery slope in terms of working with someone just saying like, oh yeah, your, your version's okay, but I'm better. So I'm going to put out my version. <laughs> and I don't know. I think it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. I think as a, as a fan, it might be kind of cool, but I think like if it, if I was an artist and someone did that, I'd be a little pissed because I'm putting out the version of my song that I want to put out. Yeah. And then you go and just completely fucking change it behind my back. Well, so yeah. I wonder if it's something where it's like <clears throat> the artist puts out like their version and then the other guy's like, hey, I fucking love your song. Like, I think I could add my own spin to it. Like, I'm going to I'm going to take your song that you have and I'm going to do my own spin on it. Is that cool or whatever? And then, <clears throat> you know, they go do their own thing. That's where I'm hoping that, you know, that that happens, because yeah. otherwise then you're going to have fucking conflict uh, between the two people. Yeah, um, and I feel like that's what's going to split up people and make yeah. collabs not work. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine it has to be a like a thing where they come like humbly like, "Hey, I actually really like your song and I think that I could add my own twist to that and it would be just as awesome as yours." And so and I I'm all for that and I feel like that's why we have remixes. That's why the EDM yeah. community, you put out a single, the next thing you put out is the remix EP. Of that thing, you, you everyone submits all the remixes. You pick your favorite five or so. You put them out on an EP, and there you mm-hmm. go. And that's what I love about the EDM community. It's it's very much like, cool. We all love this song, but what's your spin on it? What's your take on it? Yeah. Uh, but when you when you two people come together to be like, me and Riley are gonna make a song together, and then I'm gonna fucking shit on your fucking yeah. shit by changing it and being like, that's cool, great ideas, but we're gonna go yeah. with my ideas here. Um, another weird thing, and. I'm just kind of spitballing here. I have no basis on this other than the weird relationship that Dylan Francis and Eptic have. They've put out a lot of songs together in recent years. And a lot of the tracks end up on Eptic's projects and not Dylan's projects, which I find interesting because I feel they were Dylan songs that have Eptic on it and not the other way around. If you have artists collab together, you can hear kind of which parts are whose um if, if you're very familiar with the artist and dylan plays a lot of eptic stuff and eptic plays some of dylan's stuff i'm kind of wondering what the relationship is a little bit more part of me feels like sometimes that eptic dylan's a little beta bitch or what <laughs> i kind of wonder if eptic is dylan's ghost producer yeah there are some tracks i feel like are outside of dylan's style that make me go did you actually write this? And it's weird to to have like, I feel like that's something you can only do with a favorite artist that you listen to a lot of their music to feel like, wait a minute, this is not, this is too different. Like I, I get an artist going in a new direction, but there are some times where I go, you didn't write this. There's no way. That's well, what I feel sometimes. I think the only thing I can equate that to would be, you know, with the Panhandlers released their album. It's four very big Texas country guys. So I, I would listen to a song. I'd be like, oh, Cleto Cordero wrote this. And then I would look at the writing and sure shit, you know, it's a Cleto song. So I think that would be the only, I guess, yeah, similarities. It's, but it's interesting. I, like with, the, with the production, it's a little different. Because you can tell, like, lyrically, oh, well, this sounds more like it's coming from this guy. Yeah. But 
yeah, production-wise, that's a, yeah, that's where it's a little in, tricky to. In see other that. genres of music, it's okay to have twenty producers on it and have six writers. Yeah. But in EDM music, people call out ghost producing a lot, and I don't know why it's such a big deal in EDM. Um, there's a group I really like named there. They go by the name slander. Uh, they work a lot with nightmare nightmare has been distancing himself away from them. Even though they do their radio show every week, he's not doing back to backs with them anymore. He's not putting out tracks with them anymore. He's not touring with them anymore. And he's kind of doing his own thing. And slander can't seem to put out a track just by themselves anymore. They're a duo and he can't put out a single piece of music. Every song has another producer on it always consistently for the last two years. And it makes me, that's why people have been calling him out and being like, there's a reason you're not at this festival because you ain't making fucking music. You're not making your own music. Uh, the EDM scene for some reason is real big about calling out ghost producing. I do not know why, but no one's going to be like Taylor Swift didn't write this one. It was that guy from bleachers. No one's going to say that shit about Taylor, but we all know Taylor doesn't write her stuff anymore. No, right. Uh, even a lot of popular rappers who are lyricists have help. Even a Kendrick gets some help on, on lines from here, from time and time again. Speaking of ghostwriting, though, um, does anyone listen to the new shitty Drake album? Uh, oh, you mean the house album you put out? I fucking, <clears throat> I saw so much shit on like social that I was like, because I saw it released and I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to this. I didn't have time. And then I saw, went through Instagram real quick, saw all the shit about it. And I was like, nope, never mind. He's getting called out by like, major celebrities and like top end people and i was like so i saw tiktok and it was this guy he was it was like a drake board meeting or whatever and he was like hey guys uh like you know coming up with ideas for the new album and one of the guys was like what if we just sit down and make like a really solid rap album again like we haven't done that in a while (laughs) and he was like he was like who the fuck are you get the fuck out this guy sipping an empty iced coffee he was like I got it. He was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna just completely shit on this genre of music. Just release the worst piece of trash we can." Fantano put out his video on the album, and I don't even know he took the time to do it because he was just like, it was just straight not good, not a zero out of ten. It was just a not good, a very rare title that Anthony Fantano says for only the worst of the worst. And he will find good in, in bad albums. He will with there's good to be found. When he gives a not good, it's truly not good. Yeah. Like he even gave Logics, I think a one, the Logic album, a one. Um, it wasn't very good. Sorry. Yeah. Just, I, just, I don't think Drake's focused on his music anymore. I think he's more focused on the fucking Toronto Raptors <laughs> and whatever small comedy <clears throat> sketches he gets. I just, I don't know, man. I, it came out of left field. One, it was not hyped up or prepared at all. No. Completely new genre, like. Some pe- I saw some people on the early early Friday of last week when it was coming out. They were like, I bet you know, we're going to look back at this album and go, y'all were just not ready for this. And I was like, no, no, I, I think it's just yeah. a bad album. We were ready. Uh, <laughs> it just wasn't good. <laughs> I don't know. It just yeah. It's a weird follow-up to Certified Lover Boy because yeah. that was very well thought out, very well promoted album. He had a point and a message. It was a very anti-Kanye stance he took. Yeah. Um, and then he puts out this garbage. Yeah. I don't know. It, he, that's another tick in the, yeah, I'm definitely not a Drake fan anymore. Column for me. Uh, 2013 Drake was the pinnacle for Drake for me. I think Degrassi Drake. Was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to, my last thing, I'm going to say, uh, one artist changing genres, sort of, he's releasing a folk album, Noah Khan. Uh, he's starting to promote the shit out of it. Uh, his new single, I keep hoping it's going to come out this week, uh, every week, uh, hopefully soon, but he said it's coming soon. It's all recorded now, uh, so hopefully that'll come out, and it's going to be a banger. Very proud of it. He said it's probably the best work he's ever done, so hoping, hoping that comes soon. I have a single you need to listen to tomorrow. Uh, if you're an EDM fan, you guys, I don't think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, Ray Volpe, Laser Beams. Uh, it was the most played song at EDC this year for a reason, because it absolutely slaps. Uh, which, by the way, uh, Shaq, his set at EDC, really good. It was really good. Um, I was really impressed. It Shaq's made, actually a good DJ. He is, because he doesn't just 
he doesn't do the classic like play a song, lead it into the next, and whatever. He does. He'll layer songs really well. And in dubstep, from oh, there are a lot of dubstep songs where you can put two drops at the same time and call it a, and it's called a double. And sometimes you can even find three songs that work really well together and you can make a triple. Motherfucker was doing quadruples out here. Like he was <laughs> playing shit. I was like, what song? And I was like. Oh shit! He's playing four songs at once. Holy shit! This shit slaps. Like, how did he come yeah. up with this? He's actually a very talented <clears throat> DJ. I really appreciate his stuff. Yeah. Um, but we are kind of uh, we're definitely overtime on this one. Uh, Brock, do you have anything else last you want to add? Anything you want to talk about? Yeah. Fuck bitches. Get money. I'm out. All right, that was getting edited out. Um, Riley, you got anything else? Go listen to Callum Scott's new album, Fantastic. Uh, probably won't win a ton of awards here, just but it definitely will in the UK. Uh, yeah, fantastic album. All the music that we talked about today, we talked about a lot of music today. Uh, we're going to try to fit all that into the playlist. And if you're looking for that playlist, you definitely can go find it at riffsontap.com. As well as you can find the links to where you can listen to our past episodes. If you hadn't listened to last week's episode yet, we sat down with three fantastic artists, Lil S, Zach Quiet Down, and Ideal, talking about their upcoming projects, new stuff they got going on. Definitely go check that one out, episode number 48. Um, but that's going to do it for us here at Riffs on Tap. We want to thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you like what you heard, please, uh, share it with a friend, share it with someone, a music lover. Um, and we'd love, uh, we love hearing new people being like, Oh, so-and-so show me this show. And I really liked it. And I can't wait to listen to more episodes. It really makes our day. It's super exciting to hear that, uh, the show is getting passed around and, uh, shown to other people. It really does help us out a lot. Um, but once again, riffsontap.com. Got the links for all the prior episodes. It's got the link for the playlist, Spotify, and Apple Music. It's full of a ton of stuff. It's got music from um, that we've been listening to. It's got music from the artists that we talked with last week on there as well. And we just basically got a big list of new music we got to add on there too. A lot of cool artists all over the place, different genres. Find some new music on there. Uh, it's a really, really exciting playlist. But once again, we want to thank you guys for listening. And this has been episode number 49 of Riffs on Tap, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.